0: Hey everybody, do you want your guest bedroom back? Do you have an adult child living it? Do they have a degree? You know, not the lazy children, but the ones that have gone to school. Well, if you want to help get them some work, stick with us. We're going to be having an HR expert giving us tips up next on the Matt Townsend Show.
1: Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. U.S. Defense Secretary Leon Panetta is voicing concerns with the escalating
2: situation in Syria. Panetta says the violence has only gotten worse and more people are being killed.
3: Which tells us that uh, this is a situation that is rapidly spinning out of control. Appearing
2: with Panetta at a news conference here at the Pentagon, British Defense Chief Philip Hammond agreed. I think what we're seeing is an opposition which is emboldened. Both men warned the Syrian regime not to lose control of its chemical weapons, saying the world won't tolerate their use. Sagar Meghani at the Pentagon. Confirming the U.S.
1: concerns about escalating violence, rebels in Syria bombed a high-level meeting today, killing ranking Syrian officials. A bomb explosion during a top-level Syrian security meeting killed Syria's defense minister and President Bashar Assad's brother-in-law. Syria's main armed rebel wing, the Free Syrian Army, has claimed responsibility, saying they planted a bomb in the meeting room. The rebel commander told the AP, hopefully Bashar will be next. It's an escalation of the civil war. After four days of fighting in Damascus, Assad's regime is talking tough, pledging to fight terrorism. Mark Levy, Cairo. A bus carrying carrying Israeli youth was bombed in Bulgaria, killing six and wounding 32. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is blaming Iran for the attack, and he has vowed a tough response. The blast was caused by a bomb which was placed on the bus. So far, no groups have claimed responsibility for the act. But Israeli suspicions are running high because the attack took place on the anniversary of a bombing that killed 85 people nearly 20 years ago. The U.S. is also condemning condemning the attack, but not so quickly laying the blame on Iran. President Obama described the bombing as barbaric. Iranian officials have not issued any comments. As tensions overseas rise, concerns on home soil are rising as looming defense cuts threaten thousands of jobs.
2: One by one, the heads of Lockheed Martin, EADS North America, Pratt & Whitney, and Williams Pyro said layoffs are reasonably foreseeable if Congress cannot undo some of the cuts.
3: Our near-term horizon is completely obscured by a fog of uncertainty.
2: Lockheed's Robert Stevens says the cuts could force some 10,000 layoffs at his company. While both parties voted for the cuts, Republicans are trying to use them against the president, contending he's willing to undermine the military. Sagar Megani at the Pentagon. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM
1: 143. I'm Sam McCall.
0: Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, Matt Townsend, your coach your guide on the side. We do what we can on our show every single day of the week to help you and your loved ones grow healthy, happy lives, to take your life back a little bit, try to find some hope in this sometimes hopeless world, and uh, bring you a little sunshine is our goal. Welcome to the program, everybody. Today is going to be a special um, approach. I think we're going to I don't know. It's so tough. Now in this presidential election, all you seem to be hearing is jobs, jobs, jobs. 8.2%. Romney can't do jobs, Obama doesn't do jobs, blah blah blah. Well, the reality is there's a lot of people that need jobs right now and um they're struggling. They and it's interesting. It's no longer it's not like, oh, the lazy people don't have jobs. These are people that are really trying hard to get jobs. They're educated. Some of them are, you know, these brand new college students that invested all this time and energy to go get the degree. They were so excited to get out and start their great life, and now they're stalled, and they don't have a job to, uh, anywhere in sight. And so today on the show, we want to give you some ideas, some tools. We're going to try to bring in one of our uh, experts, an expert in human um, resources and human development, who's going to give us a, a bunch of tools and ideas for how to get a job in this crazy market. It's hard, so if you're a parent out there and you have your children living at home and they're not getting jobs and they're they're adults, you know they're out there, they should have a job by now and they just can't find one, stick around today is the day for that we're gonna get into those um ideas we're gonna give you some um also some other ideas of where the jobs are and where they're not plus we're of course we're gonna have um a rant from one of our producers. Bryce Tobin, who's just going to go on a rant on how hard it is to get a job. So now, what, don't, don't be afraid because the reality of um, not being able to find a job right now is you could always fall back to what uh, Daniel Suelo did. Now, you may have seen this article in The Atlantic magazine, but Daniel Swelo basically has given up on money. He's just not doing money anymore. Wouldn't that be great? Now, neither are your adult children that don't have jobs. They're not doing money either, but they they don't want to not do money. This is a story about a man who is homeless by choice, and he's doing it basically to live free in America. His basic premise is this. He says, our whole society is designed so that you have to have money. Daniel Suelo says you have to be a part of the capitalist system. It's illegal to live outside of it. So Suelo has basically defied the laws. His primary residence is in the canyons near Arches National Park in Utah where he has lived in a dozen caves tucked into sandstone nooks. In the fall of 2002, two years after quitting money – he just walked away from money – he homesteaded um, a majestic alcove high on a cliff, 200 feet across and 50 feet tall, and he just decided he's done. He created his own grotto on National Parks Land. So if your children are having a hard time finding a job, I guess <laughs> send them after Daniel Suelo to, to dig out a grotto somewhere on the National Parks Land. But listen to what he did. The, uh, Suelo's grotto – was a two-hour walk from pavement. He settled in for a long haul. He chipped at the rock around to create a wide flat bed, lined it up with tarps and pads and sleeping bags that had been left out in someone's trash. He built wood-burning stoves out of uh, old tins. He learned to forage for cactus pods, yucca seeds, wildflowers, and watercress that grew near near the creek. He drank from a spring, bathed in the creek and from the from a chunk of talus he carved a statue a ponderous head like a monolith from easter island he's in heaven the guy's in heaven and he's given up money is this what we're going to have to do if we can't find jobs are we just going to have to give up money now that was all great until after 2 years a um, Actually, after several years, a ranger from the Bureau of Land Management, dun, dun, da, dun, 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 Lord Vader appears, and he comes to get Suelo out of the park. Now, Suelo had violated the 14-day limit. He was only allowed there for 14 days, and uh, Suelo was taken into custody. He was basically arrested and was written a ticket for $120, which he didn't have any money to pay. So he ended up going to court. Actually, he and the ranger, you know, they felt bad because the ranger actually felt like he was doing a great job protecting the environment. Um, by the way, Suelo, the man's name, also is Spanish for soil. So what do you do? Now, Suelo, by the way, went and um, got to do some, some time. Uh, he didn't want to go to jail, so he went to a shelter and basically taught children about Br'er Rabbit and the Briar Patch. So, oh, folks, what is happening to us? Oh, interesting thing, though. He he started his little journey of giving up money back in Georgia. But he had a friend getting married here in Utah, but he didn't have a ride. And he had just so happened to get his tax return. And the tax return basically – it was pretty funny. The tax return was $500, and he needed a ride. Didn't know how he could get to Utah, so he went, I guess, and leased uh, Mercedes-Benz for $500-ish. Basically, he had to just make like no money down, first payment or whatever, little payment. Got in this Mercedes, drove it all the way across the country to Santa Fe, New Mexico, all the way around the, the southwest – And that top down, picking up hitchhikers the whole way, eventually just dropped off the car, I guess, at a Mercedes dealer somewhere and said, I'm done with my lease and then walked into the outdoors. So it's I'm not recommending that that be the way you do it. If you are going to go basically give up money, I guess that's one way to do it. It might be better, though, if we could figure out how to get a job. And it's it's hard. Today's economy is crazy. I had a guy, I was at a, sp- a speech last night, a young man, 29 years old, two ma- a master's degree, almost finishing his master's, comes up to me and says, look, what am I supposed to do? I've had three um, uh, internships. I almost have a master's degree, and there's no jobs. And as he's sitting there uh, in an internship— He's got, I think, till December in this internship, and then that's it. And he's begging the HR director there, please, is there some kind of job? And the guy says, you know what? You're great. We're getting such good feedback on you. We just don't have any jobs. What do you do? And um, he's trained. He's skilled. But these people that used to be able to get a job because, you know, there was always openings and there there aren't. The times are filled up. So we're going to be talking to Todd Davies, who is – or Todd Davis, sorry, who's an expert in – he's an HR expert. He works with uh, Franklin Covey Company and is the chief people officer and the operations officer. He's a great man, knows recruiting, knows – HR knows what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing. So you grab your kids, you grab your husband or anybody you know that needs a job, and you get them near this, near your speakers because we are going to pick his brain. What would a senior executive in a training company and an, and an HR executive, what would he suggest you do? What are we supposed to be doing? What should all of these college students do that don't quite have maybe the right degree? Ah, it's a tough time, and it's not enough, I guess, just to sit and hope that our elected leaders might do something about it. Maybe what we need to do now is we need to figure out some of the – if there are any tricks or just what makes the difference. Interesting thing about Todd Davis, uh, before we bring him on, is he really is a guy that was pivotal in in my employment of becoming a speaker. And I'll introduce that story when we come back from the break and we introduce – Our visitor, Todd Davis, Executive Vice President, Chief People and Operations Officer at Franklin Covey. Stick with us, folks. Get your pad of paper. We're going to give you the tools to get a job. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
4: Connect with Matt on BYU Radio's Facebook page and Twitter at BYU Radio.
5: Sirius XM 143. BYU Radio.
4: A recipe for a rocket nozzle becomes the hot new thing in welding.
6: Next.
5: This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future.
4: NASA research is constantly coming up with new inventions to support and perfect space missions. But a lot of those innovations end up being useful to Earthbound businesses, too all it takes is looking at things with the right perspective. That's the case for a novel copper alloy, originally devised for rocket engine nozzles. NASA's Glenn Research Center hit upon a recipe for blending traditional copper alloy ingredients like chromium and niobium with just a pinch of the element zirconium. That little change makes a huge difference in strength and how ductile the alloy can be. Ductility describes how much a metal can stretch without breaking, which is perfect for the hellish environment at the heart of a burning rocket engine. It turns out that this same environment exists on assembly lines using electric resistance welding. The metal contact tips are a perfect candidate for the new alloy, which could double or triple the life of these parts, and at the same time, let them perform welds with enhanced precision. It's all in how you look at things. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino.
5: Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. BYU Radio is the home of the Cougars. Rise up and become a corporate sponsor today. For more information, call 801-422-1448 or email support at byu.edu. Start your day right with Marcus Smith and the morning team. We're going to talk about um, just stuff, you know, lots of things that show up that that once we're in your home and they go to somebody else's home and how do they get there? Maybe by way of a thrift store.
7: Join in for conversation on current topics and events from around BYU campus and the world and get your morning talking. Tune into The Morning Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're talking about getting a job, not just for you necessarily, but maybe there's a way to get your children a job. Uh, We're just hearing that there's a lot of uh, families with their adult children still living at home because they just can't get a job. Now, they got degrees, a lot of them. And we're not talking about the people that just aren't interested in getting a job or um, we're talking about the ones that really desperately want one. Those even that have gone out and been retrained after their first job, uh, after they maybe lost a job, those that are just getting out of schools, uh, trade schools, colleges, universities, how do we get a job? Now, we've got to introduce um, one of our producers. Bryce Tobin has a lot on his mind that he would just love to share with us. So this is The Bryce is Right. Look,
7: I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is The Bryce is Right. After a high school degree, is my education through? Heck no, I've got debt to accrue. Besides, think about it, I'm graduating in May. Do I want to work or do I want to delay? My guidance counselor asked, have you thought of a career? No, I'll be in school for the next 10 years. Don't rush me! Dealing with whiny kids is hard. So what are we whining about? We spend all this time, money, and emotional stability getting anywhere from 1 to 3 degrees in the name of getting a job. Yeah, good thing the economy tanked while we were all in the middle of getting these degrees. And it's all sixes no matter whether we stick with it or drop out. Or at least it looks that way. Now, nobody likes a whiner, but let's stop for a second and let's look into why kids are whiny. If you're a college kid, I feel safe assuming that you've been told by several people for several years that the most reliable way to be successful in multiple facets of your life is to get a degree. Why else would you go through all this? And the advice makes sense because this has been true from about the 1950s to 2007-ish. But we've had the rug pulled out from under us, and we don't live in a traditional economy where we can trade with things like cows, chickens, and frogs. If you don't have any money, you're hosed. We aren't making any money and that is very distressing. So we graduate and our quest to find a job begins. A big step is the resume. What a shallow and deadly balancing act this is. Do I keep it sparse or packed? More than one page or two. I want them to read it but if it's too short it will look empty. But if it's too long they are less likely to read all of it. Or worse, not read it at all. Then do I only include stuff that is pertinent? Do I include the dog walking that I did when I was 12? What font should I use? Too simple and they'll be bored. by it and the other 400 resumes they received this morning. How much color should I include? Or should I include any. Then once it's done, you pour over it for hours looking for any spelling errors, adjusting phrases to make things look a bit better, changing spacing to draw the eye here or there, and all this guarantees is an ulcer. And in a perfect world, people would read these, but Welcome to Earth. There are people who will pay more attention to the amount of color or the quality of the paper than actual content. The other dilemma we kids face is experience. You've heard this before. Employers want experience, but I can't get experience until I get a job, but the jobs need experience, and on and on and on. And it bothers me how dismissive people are about this, because it does, in fact, get worse. Desperation kicks in, so you take some dead-end job that does not fit your interest or pay very well, just so you can pay rent and get some food to eat. All the while, you are applying for jobs, but you're no longer augmenting your resume. Experience is good, I guess, but experience in a specific field is what an employer is actually looking for. You're only really accumulating laps around the sun stuck in a job that you don't like or want that is sucking your life away. doesn't matter if you're 22 or 40. If you lack experience, you lack experience. Good news, though. All of your debt has been growing and growing. Aren't you lucky? Let's get real. Other than the economy being rough, it's an employer's market. You guys have lots of candidates to choose from, lots of qualification, lots of experience, and a lot of them are really desperate and will pretty much take whatever they can get. Can you see how it's a little rough on a doe-eyed kid fresh out of academia? Who knows what the future holds, but don't worry. Today we're going to talk about this and help you figure out what to do or what to tell some young people and get them to quit whining. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to
0: be awesome. Good work. The Bryce is right. Uh, Finding a job. Tough stuff, as Bryce So eloquently explained to us. Now we're going to bring on an expert, Todd Davis, Executive Vice President, Chief People and Operations Officer at Franklin Covey. who they're a training, a human development leadership training company. And uh, Todd's just a great man. He's been doing HR kind of related fields, training fields for over 26 years. We wanted to bring him in and pick his brain. Todd, welcome to the show. Thank you, Matt. It's so good to have you because jobs i mean so you're sitting here in a in a large organization trying to you have to keep it staffed but there's just not enough openings are you noticing that that's well there are more people than openings that's true are you true. seeing that that's true do you um what are you thinking cuz you've got to be seeing some pretty well trained people now you've got to be seeing a really good crop of potential employees you just don't have openings. Yeah, there's certainly uh, there's certainly an ebb and flow
8: in the uh, in the pool of candidates that are out there. And right yeah. now as you said, there are there we we still have openings. We're growing as most organizations are. Uh but there are there are dozens of candidates, hundreds of candidates for every opening. Oh. And the thing I like to remind people is uh Someone's getting the jobs. Yeah. So there are things that you can do to put yourself ahead of the – you know, the lead of the pack or the head of the pack yeah. and, and get the job. People, Well, and that's what jobs.
0: I want to do is kind of chip some, away some of the things that we should be doing. Um, also want to get into where – I mean is it is it – are there just certain fields that are less open? Are there certain areas that just are harder? I mean, where are the jobs? Is it – is it the same amount of jobs there used to be? Are there just fewer? Are there just too many? What is the deal? What? Because I hear I said the reason why this is such a big deal for me is I have all of these college-trained people around me. Mm-hmm. They've all got degrees. They've all got some have got masters. And we were just sitting in a meeting where one of the people in our group who's a producer is an accountant has an accounting background. I think like a master's in accounting. And she's going out. She's got like 10 job offers and is out there ready to go and Mm -hmm. she's lined up ready to go. A lot of our people here – we have uh, one person we may have on the show later who has an English master's degree and all of the English masters are working. And then there's some degrees that just aren't getting jobs. Mm -hmm. Is that – just traditional is that just normal
8: well I, I, I you know I cringe when you introduce me and say we 've got an expert here i don 't know that yeah. i 'm an
0: expert anymore than anybody else is, but uh, in my experience,
8: people are you know as we 're slowly coming out of this recession, I think companies and businesses are are proceeding ahead with caution yeah. but i 'm seeing more and more positions open up at all at all different levels. Uh, to your point though, I think those people that are also more willing to target a company or an industry that they 're interested in and be willing to uh, get in, maybe not in the ideal job they want, right. but take, take not always an entry level job, but a, but a job that's not ideal, but get in and then have the opportunity to prove themselves. That's where I've seen people in our company and other companies really shine is when, when they're willing and if they can afford to, because often it's yeah. a step back in, in maybe potential income or income that they've been making, right. but get in the door because if, if you really got the goods and got what it takes, it doesn't take a long time to really prove yourself and have people take notice. No, and, absolutely. Uh, and they're not, they're not willing to lose you once they've, they've got a real talent on board.
0: It's really interesting because that's that's exactly how I went in. So when I was at Franklin County years ago, and this is a pretty interesting story for Todd. I was, I was in sales, didn't want to be in sales. And then actually I left sales and started working with Steve and Covey on the book writing. Yeah, I remember. And, but for fun, I always wanted to be a trainer. So on the, in the lunchtime, I would go do the new hire orientation training mm-hmm. and I would train everybody in the company on that. So some new recruiting officer guy comes through who's really an old employee, I believe, named Todd Davis. <laughs> Isn't that right? And you come through the training and see me. Just as a trainer, I wasn't a paid trainer, right. but my goal was someday. And I was young, I was way young, and um, like probably too young Maybe <laughs> to have been the trainer. But you just saw me as a regular Joe, liked it, and then I kept begging you, "I really want to get a shot. I really want to get a shot." But then you got my name in the pot, and I, you let me audition. Dozens of people, dozen people auditioned, I think, and, and you got I a got job. a job. And, but it was exactly that: it was me working for free, getting in an area I wasn't loving per se. And giving my blood Mm -hmm. and then you'll see it. People will float up that are successful. Yeah,
8: Absolutely. That's a perfect. I'd forgotten about that. But I now as you bring it back, I remember I remember your presentation. Mm -hmm. In fact, do you really? And I (laughs) I attribute
0: it all to you because, well, well, because you well, well, but you saw me. You didn't you were already. I guess you already had the recruiting hat on. But anyway, it, it works. It's just so I brought that up to this guy. I was talking to a guy at a speech last night and he was like desperate and I said, Well that's what I did. I just got in and I just did it for free. And he says, Well what do you do when it's no longer they no longer will let you be there for free? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's mm-hmm. he's worn out. He's valuable. The guy even says he's super valuable, but I guess they can't just keep people around working for free. Right. Well and, or and, interned.
8: and not to be harsh, but if if you're there interning and working for free and and someone hasn't picked up on that, then maybe you are misaligned. Maybe you're exactly. thinking you're really great in this field area. But, yeah. but you know, People are good at recognizing sharp talents. So. That's right.
0: And, and you don't want to lose the talent no. once they're interned and trained and you know what they're they doing. invested. Yeah, the company's invested a lot, and, yeah.
8: and obviously the person's invested a lot. So
0: some of this is just having a little hope. I mean you got to have enough yeah, hope and, then perseverance it, and some and, self-awareness if you right. really are in the right place. That's right. Do you see that, I guess – what are you seeing are happening to the, the people that are employees? Are you seeing their quality going up? is there like i would seem like to me if there's tension in the market where we could replace you even easier than ever are the employees bearing down and doing a better job
8: well again my opinion but i think even uh, when when even when we aren't in a recession and when when there are plenty of i think i think uh, star performers our star performers—they yeah, work hard regardless of what, you know whether how many offers they have or if there isn't anything else. But but certainly when when uh, times get tough and people are losing jobs, everybody kind of steps it up a little bit yeah. to the level you're hoping they're doing all the time. So so I, I'm I'm again I'm thinking of certain certain top star performers in our company right now, even during the toughest of times in the job market. They always have some options. Yeah, yeah. they're <laughs> so always free. That's not really encouraging for others yeah. out there, but that's
0: – yeah. I love that. There's a phrase – I think I even learned it there um, – that says uh, superior performance fosters independence of action. Mm-hmm. So the better you are as a performer, the more independent and free you are. That's, you can say yeah. no easier. You can open your options up. So one of the benefits, I guess, is we, you got to be a performer. You really got to hit the nail.
8: Yeah, whether you're in a in a job that, in your opinion, is way beneath you, but right. just to get into the right company, knock it out of the park. Just right. you know, people take
0: notice. That is what I said. I mm-hmm. said I'd show yeah. up late. I mean, I'd stay. Or I'd show up early, leave late. Ask if you could do other things in the company. Say, hey, I'm a single guy. I'm 29. I got nothing else going on. Yep. And I stay late and wash. Whatever yep, just watch right. whatever yep, absolutely oh, it's incredible, that's... it's tough is um now, give me some things, so you've seen a lot in your years what what are some things that are just absolute don't do
8: well. Uh, and I guess know, that might even get
0: into what you should do. Yeah.
8: And that's actually a, 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 an easier way. I think sometimes I do a lot of coaching with some yeah. folks um, trying to help them find jobs or occasionally, unfortunately, when someone is displaced out of our company trying to help them. And and some of the things I've seen, and, and you, one would assume these are just with younger, less experienced uh, um, employees or, or would-be employees, but I've really seen this with seasoned employees as well. Uh, I was thinking on the drive down here, some of the most the biggest, most common mistakes I've seen, and they sound very simple. And mm. I, I could hear the listeners going, "Well, duh! I would well, never do yeah. that." But, but maybe your kids are doing that, and you don't know that. <laughs> That's right. why they're not getting the jobs. Um, you know, something as simple as just getting to the place on time. You know, when oh. you've got an interview; uh, get there on time, and maybe do a test run the night before. Yeah, think uh, it. Make through. sure you're not going <laughs> yeah, to drive to the place. Yeah. Uh, another b- big one that I just again, these sound like common sense, but but they're not always. Is just to, just. Are you are you appropriately dressed? Yeah, I, I see more and more candidates, seasoned people as well as you know new new graduates come in, and, and my my theory and philosophy is always go in a little bit overdressed. Dressed. You know, no one ever dings you for wearing a tie or wearing a nice business suit. Meanwhile, uh, and just that, so everyone
0: knows, you're sitting here in a tie.
8: Well, there you go. <laughs> See? And I'm in my tube top. <laughs> and I'm thinking you're looking pretty underdressed, man. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so don't – and some people will say to me, but yeah, but if it's a real casual environment, I said, you know what? They will no. respect the fact that you came in dressed up. They're not going to yeah, you're say to you didn't do job. your research and understand that we're a jeans and T-shirt kind of place. Right. Go in dressed up. It shows respect for the for the person that you're interviewing That's with. That's great. Idea. Um, people may laugh at this one, but but especially with the, the topic you're talking about today with, with – you know, younger folks and and graduate, recent graduates that are having a hard time getting a job don't ever have mom or dad follow up. Now you are saying, who in the world would do that? You cannot believe Does that happen. The calls that we get from parents of MBA graduates and saying, "Hey, my son or my daughter applied are you for this," and, me? and and uh, people <laughs> think, "Are you kidding me?" But but mom it and happens. dad, stay yeah. out of it. Yeah, um, wow. kind of tied in with that. Showing up with a friend is is oh, yeah. a little bit awkward for everyone now. Often they don't have the friend come into the interview <laughs> yeah. or ask, but even just having the friend sit in the lobby, it's it's That's a little weird. bit unprofessional. Like, is that your ride? Yeah. yeah. Is, yeah. Or are is you that guys your going ride, or is after? this how <laughs> much confidence you do or don't have? Um, you know, very common things to, don't ever show up without a resume. Yeah. Um, and and have a resume that you've had several people, friends, and and hopefully people that that are in
0: professional positions, look through and just give you suggestions on. But what, always, like what is the resume now? I mean it seems like it's constantly changing and yeah, it's different.
8: And people have – I talked to as many recruiters and they have different theories on this and there used to be the, the rule of a one-page resume. Yeah, I remember that. I just I, – I don't, I, I don't uh, uh, worry about that nor do, does our director of recruitment or other folks. But what I would say is this. Just remember the resume is to get the interview. The resume isn't yeah. to get the job. No. The resume is to get the interview. Yeah. And so, uh, so too often I see people who have designed a resume that is trying to get the job. And so there's too much in there and there's too yeah, much detail. And, and I've seen resumes that aren't – you can't really tell anything from it. It's the name and address. Yeah. You know? yeah. And uh, so I, I just keep in mind the resume is to get the job – or to, excuse me, to get the, 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 the interview. interview. Um, I also am really big on cover letters with a resume, a cover letter, meaning two paragraphs, you know, there's not a hard and fast rule around that, but but not even a page full, but two or three paragraphs, because what a cover letter does, a resume is a little more, you know, here's my education, Mm -hmm. here's bulleted of what, what, um, extensive or limited experience I have, but the cover letter lets, uh, a, a recruiter into a little bit of your personality mm-hmm. because you can be conversationalist in the, in the cover letter and say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm f- very familiar with your company. I've watched it for years or I know so and so works for your company. It lets me into a little bit of your personality before yeah. I've even met you. So cover letters, we've we have brought many candidates in based on how well written their cover letter is yeah. versus the resume. It's more
0: personal in a yeah. way, it feels like. Absolutely. The resume seems like to me something just that they're going to use two when they're interviewing you. So it's kinda of, it almost should just say what would you want brought up in your interview? Mm-hmm. Not everything. That's right. But what right. what would what would matter to bring up? Um, okay, excellent. We're going to come back, Todd, because I want more ideas, more tools. And eventually and two, I want to figure out, you know, um, what are the wh- what what are you what do you kind of predict the future is? I mean, are we changing like uh, online resumes, online videos, are you seeing things like that now? Are there certain areas that we should probably worry more about? Should we be making sure we don't just have some general degree, but a very specific degree? We'll come back and talk more with Todd Davis, Executive Vice President, Chief People Officer from Franklin Covey Company. Stick with us, folks. We're going to get you a job one way or another right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
5: Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. BYU baseball, football, basketball, soccer, and volleyball. Live games on BYU Radio and BYU TV. To get your business involved as a sponsor of Cougar Sports, email corporate support at BYU.edu.
6: Have you ever wanted to travel the world? Now you can experience the vibrant cultures and customs of countries across the globe and cities across America through the eyes and ears of folk artist Eric Dowdle. Tune in to Traveling with Eric Dowdle and travel the world weekdays at 9 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
1: Good afternoon. I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Top Republicans are criticizing President Obama's campaign for focusing on Mitt Romney's tax returns.
5: House Speaker John Boehner says the Obama campaign's focus on Bain Capital and Mitt Romney's tax returns is a sideshow designed to distract people from the administration's failed economic policies. He told reporters it shows the president doesn't care about middle class Americans who are looking for work. It is not about the tax returns. It's about the economy. The American people vote with their wallet. And Boehner predicted that as the campaign moves forward, the administration will offer, in his words, every distraction known to man because the president can't run on his record. Jerry Bodelander Capitol Hill.
1: President Obama may have Republicans on his back, but his attention is on a briefing of the major drought in the Midwest he received today.
2: Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack says farmers are hurting and ranchers are getting ready to slaughter herds for lack of feed.
3: Our livestock producers are in deep trouble because of the drought.
2: After briefing the president, he told reporters the drought's now threatening more than two-thirds of the corn and soybean crop. It's so bad he's been on his knees praying for rain.
5: I'm saying an extra prayer now. Uh, If I had a a rain prayer or a rain dance I could do, I would do it.
2: However, because of the slaughtering, Vilsack says consumers could see meat prices drop before they start to climb along with other foods early next year. Mark Smith at the White House.
1: The Federal Reserve is admitting that the U.S. is seeing economic slowdown,
2: but there is some good news. In the Beige Book economic survey, the Fed says hiring was tepid across much of the country, and in the Northeast, growth has weakened. One positive, housing improved across the nation. And in the second of two days of congressional testimony, Chairman Ben Bernanke defended central bank efforts to boost the economy, but said monetary policy has
5: its limits. It is not the ideal tool. Part of the problem is that we hit the zero lower bound, so we can't use the usual practice of cutting short-term interest rates.
2: The Fed could begin a third round of bond purchases later this year with the aim of lowering long-term rates and, in turn, encouraging borrowing and spending. Mark Hamrick, Washington. The U.S. Olympic men's
1: basketball team is missing some big names from the roster, but they are still the gold medal favorites. While it's not the dream team, a U.S. squad led by NBA Most Valuable Player LeBron James, and league scoring champ Kevin Durant is quite formidable. And that's even taking into account the players who won't be going to London. The latest is Blake Griffin, who was injured last week. Dwight Howard, Chris Bosh, Derek Rose, and Dwayne Wade are also staying home. Lacking depth in the middle, Team USA is at a youngster, Anthony Davis. The top pick in the NBA draft will give the squad Much needed rebounding and shot blocking. The U.S. begins Olympic play July 29th against France. I'm John Klobuchar. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, We are talking about getting a job. Now, you parents out there, you may be noticing that your kids don't seem to have a chance of getting away from you ever. And if they don't and you really want to do what you can to help them, you know, it's a hard time. It's a hard time in the economy. It's a hard time with all these college-educated kids. Finding a job is not as easy as it used to be, obviously, and yet it's not impossible. We've got Todd Davis, who is an executive vice president, the chief people officer at Franklin Covey Company, a training and development leadership company. Todd's joining us, giving us some tools, some ideas. He's not an expert, even though he has 26 years in the business. (laughs) But he doesn't (laughs) like it. Just hangs
8: around a long time.
0: (laughs) He's also just a great guy that, that gets it. So. Todd what else what else should we be doing um if i'm just the guy sitting there going i guess you just everyone's going through the newspaper yeah. they're going through monster.com yeah hopefully they're not going through the newspaper i know but yeah yeah <laughs> but they're online you're in a whole looking. different thing
8: yeah so so a couple of other things. Jim, we were talking before the break we were talking about uh, just some faux pas that yeah. i had seen what and, and not seen not once in a while, but seen a right. lot. A um, couple of things that I that I recommend with some of the folks that I coach. There's a book. It's an older book out there. I apologize. I don't know when it was published. It's called Forty Eight Days to Work You Love. Hmm. The author is Dan Miller, and it's. Uh, I, I think he may have been a, a, a pastor or some kind of religious leader because it's it's interspersed with, interspersed with some some. Scripture, which sounds really yeah. odd, and I thought it was odd when I first started reading yeah. it. Uh, so, if that's offensive or bothers somebody, then you know, no. Just but you be know weird. what? They probably need a but little scripture. It is, yeah, that's right. A little hope. Yeah. But. But he has some of the most practical ways about going about getting a job, and and they're and they're basics, but they're so basic. I think we've forgotten them, and they're they're, they're principle based, so yeah. they haven't they haven't gone out of like style. Like, what are some of the basics? Um, they're just like you know, research the industries and the companies you want to be. in. sometimes we get so hung up on, well, I don't see any jobs here. Well, yeah. What is it you really want to do? And then once you find those industries, it's that uh, the six or seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. You can yeah. find someone who knows someone who knows Go someone in looking. that company. You absolutely can. LinkedIn. I, I, Go I, get I have, on LinkedIn. Well and so start that's looking. yeah that's the next thing. You know, you talk about it is it is uh uh, not very common anymore to get to get a resume in the mail or yeah. send resumes. Everything is online, and and with the online, you know, if if you don't, and there's such great search engines out there that people think, well, doesn't everybody post there? Well, yeah, they do, but post right. yours there too. So on Monster. dot com, on CareerBuilder, and you just mentioned on LinkedIn. LinkedIn more and more has becoming uh, a tool that we use, and I know other companies yeah. use, and and.
0: Um, see that's interesting because i've heard people say oh linkedin it's not even any good but in a business world it's, no, it matters
8: it is I, I will tell you we have found some of our finest candidates this past year through linkedin and they weren't candidates that we looked up on linkedin but through linkedin where we started networking with companies in certain industries we started talking to them and got into the door to their industry and found wow. the real gold in those people so so uh linkedin is great this this Book uh, forty eight days to work you love. It's got some very practical. I would highly recommend. Yeah, that, that sounds for, like a great book, especially for the the our audience you're talking about uh-huh. today. That some of the younger folks. There is uh, there's a book and a tool that I use. Uh, all of the time, it's the uh, you know Gallup uh, Strengths Finder. Mm-hmm. Uh, the book is now Discover Your Strengths, and it yeah, was by uh, Donald it. Clifton and Marcus Buckingham. Yeah, those and are great. Then there's a second version, mm-hmm. two that came out. And and there are many uh, surveys like this, or or um, yeah, surveys that are on there. But this is the best one I've found that really helps identify what your your intuitive, your natural strengths are. And and I will tell you, people that get the jobs, they understand themselves really well, what they're intuitively good at, and then they understand how to express that to a prospective employer.
0: That's big, isn't it? And so this,
8: yeah, this, if you have, anybody that's listening, if you have not taken the Strengths Finder, I would encourage you to do so because it identifies of the, now here I talk about it, so I think there's 32. Yeah. Uh, identified strengths in there. And it just, it shows you through this series of questions, there's no right or wrong answer. You probably have bits of all of those strengths, but what are the five top strengths that they've been in you, they've been with you since yeah, you were born? They're innate. Naturally bubble to the top. And once you know what those are, it also gives you several examples. So when I'm in an interview, as a candidate, I can express, well, are you familiar with the strengths finder? Let me tell you what my number one strength is. And let me tell you why I think that would be appropriate for this job. So, in fact, let me give you Excellent. a quick example, Matt, and not, not to talk too much about myself, but on, on my the number one strength is empathy for me. And when I first read this book and, and found that out, everything made sense. I figured out why when I would walk in the door when I was five years old and somebody in our family was upset, I immediately started crying and I didn't even know what they were upset about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's just, I have I, I have this gene in me that has me automatically empathize with other people. Yeah. Well, when I was interested in, in our company, Franklin Covey, when I was interested in, in going to work in the innovations department where we create all of our training materials and all of our, our presentations, when I was talking with the person who was doing the hiring there, I, I told him about StrengthsFinder. And I said, you know, my number one strength is empathy and let me tell you why I think that'd be so valuable in this role because if we're doing beta tests of new programs and that I'm looking at it through the eyes of all the participants all the time and I'm thinking yeah. I wonder if somebody in this age bracket would relate to this experience or this exercise or this story so you can use the strengths finder yeah. uh, to really help promote sell yourself but yeah. not in a well I think I'm really good at this or that no this is what the strengths finder says my it's interesting strengths. and
0: no so know your strength and then know how, know to. how to communicate yeah, what you're because people want to know that if if you don't know – like I love that as a question. So what do you feel are your greatest strengths? Mm-hmm,
8: exactly. Well, I'm on time. Yeah. No, That that's right. That's right. You know, another uh, – I never had set out nor uh, do I really think of it now as – was my goal to be an executive HR – an uh, mm-hmm. HR executive. Right. But I understand well now why I gravitated more towards that and that's because my, no, my second strength is – well, my second strength is developer. OK. Yeah. And what I realized about that is that I – certainly I – Want to make an income and to have all you know and, and grow in my own right, but but I really thrive off of seeing someone else grow and develop their talents, and right. I love seeing people, and I can maybe see in them something that others haven't seen, and I love helping them yeah. figure that out. And so and so now it makes sense to me why I naturally gravitated towards this. Well, the field and it's window.
0: such a blind spot if not. So if I have a client who has literally been looking for a job for two years, wow, and has started I think seven or eight or nine of them. Um, and hasn't been able to hold a job for 15 years. And part of it's because he's always wanted to be a salesman because salesmen are the ones that make the money. Mm-hmm. But he's really a teacher. Mm-hmm. He just is a teacher. Mm-hmm. If he had just been a teacher 15 years ago, he'd be making probably better money and have a second job that would make really good money together. And Absolutely. but and it literally cost him his marriage. Mm-hmm. It cost him a lot of stuff um, because he just didn't know himself. Mm-hmm. So part of this is maybe you're not having the success because you don't know yourself. Maybe you're subtly self-sabotaging some things because you don't know what your talents really are. You know you want a job. Yeah. But you can't sell with conviction or with integrity that this is the right job for you.
8: Yeah, yeah,
0: a little misaligned with who you really are. That's powerful. Yeah. Um, And then communicate too. That's huge. Uh,
8: Something else I would recommend, and and behavioral interviewing has been around forever, and and it's it's actually very helpful even though it's old, and that is, um, you know, tell me about a time when, Matt, tell me about a time when, or um, have you ever had a confrontation with a former boss? Yeah. Tell me, tell me, yeah. you know, take a couple of minutes to just tell me about that experience. How did you handle that? The reason recruiters choose to use that, that form of question is because it's, it's kind of hard to fake an experience. Yeah. I mean, maybe you're a master liar, but, right. but, and so, and so why I share that with you is that uh, to your audience, to these candidates, think about a ton of stories before you go in for that interview. And have of course story. you've hopefully researched the company yeah. and researched who you might, be interviewing with, but have several stories. Think of examples. You said the question earlier, what are some of your greatest strengths? Think through that question and then role play with someone. Right. And I strongly encourage this, you know, and role play isn't thinking in my mind what I would say. It's saying the words out loud. It's talking to someone to give you feedback yeah, because that person will say – what did you mean by that? I don't even understand that. So, or yeah. you go and say the yeah. words because even though you've thought the words or talked to yourself in the car, yeah. it'll, it'll be very difficult for them to come out. But think of numerous experiences. Think of a, a failure. It's very common. People like to hear about your strengths, they you like to hear your, your weaknesses. Failure. And don't think of a failure. I get, I get, I, know, I laugh whenever I, I hear of somebody saying, well, I'm told that I sometimes don't know when to quit. I work too hard. And I say I to them, gosh, we wouldn't want that here. We, yeah, you know, say, yeah. Tell me something you are not good at. Because yeah. we're not I will share some with you and I'll yeah. and I'll share them something, give them permission. But so so that's, be prepared to be true. honest with the with the recruiter.
0: And and show them something. Gosh,
8: I I really shine in this area. This isn't an area. This is an area that I struggle in more.
0: And get. I guess maybe then we need some skills interviewing. This is so get out there doing as many interviews as you can possibly do. Absolutely, It is a skill set. It's interesting. Yeah, Yeah. I didn't. Yeah, it is. It's a job.
8: And I'll tell you on that last point. Employers would much rather hire someone who knows themselves well yeah. than they would hire someone who thinks they're good or 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 possibly is good at is everything. Good at yeah. I would I get uncomfortable when we're really big on someone, but yet they they don't have a flaw. And I'm not talking about someone who's really arrogant. Of course, you don't want yeah. that either. But but someone who can't think of an area that they really you know are excited to improve in. If someone can't think of that, I think you don't know yourself very yeah. well. So anyway.
0: Well and it's interesting and then if you don't know yourself, how do you know others? You know what I mean? It's That's it's right. a powerful thing. It it really is more about Being um, a confident you. It's kind of being you. Mm -hmm. You have to be you and you cannot not communicate. So if you're not feeling comfortable in you, you're not going to feel comfortable in a chair in front of someone judging you. That's exactly right. In fact, uh, our director of recruitment and I, we we came up with this phrase a
8: couple years ago. We call it the barbecue factor. And after we interviewed a series of candidates for a particular position, finalists, um, I said to Aaron, our director of recruitment, I said, Aaron, If she lived in your neighborhood and you're having a neighborhood barbecue, because her answers were perfect, flawless to everything we asked. I said, "If if you had a barbecue, would you invite her? He said, I probably wouldn't. And it wasn't anything we could identify. No. We just called it what you're. It's the, just the, she was not comfortable with yeah. herself and therefore wasn't comfortable with you. And it was just
0: you're not coming something you thought. Yeah, you're not.
8: Coming. So, so we have kind of a, a filter. It's not the final filter, but we have yeah. a filter called the barbecue factor, too. Just is someone, you know, and it doesn't mean are they a fit? Are they like us? Yeah. Do they fit in the culture? But are they comfortable? Do they know themselves well enough that they're mm-hmm. comfortable with themselves and therefore they'll be comfortable with those that they work with?
0: Brilliant. I think, yeah. I mean, that is a brilliant, and it makes sense. Why would I hire you? you to be working with me daily if you're not going to come to my barbecue
8: that's right and i tell candidates that i say just remember this of course you have to have the competency and the skill sets but people want to hire people they enjoy working yeah. with, not people that are just like them but people they enjoy working with so so and it's not saying go in there and be mr or Ms. nice person but yeah. but be comfortable be engaging be someone they want to what, they want to be
0: with every day todd what do you say to people because i'm sure you do this all the time that where you just they just didn't get the job and you're giving them good feedback. What do you say to them? Now you're turned them away. Mm-hmm. What what advice do you give to these people that are out there listening that have been turned away, aren't sure really? Mm-hmm. Am I worth it? They're starting to feel down. Mm-hmm. What do you say? What's your pep talk?
8: Well, I don't know if this is a pep talk. Uh, let me think about the pep talk for a minute. But here's a little bit of advice. I ha- We have had some great candidates who we've turned away, and they have in a very mature fashion say, could you – could I just spend five minutes with you? I've been, I've been looking for a while now or whatever. And I would, and please don't be shy or, or worry about hurting my feelings. I would love to know what, what, cause I made it to the, you know, so far in the interview process, yeah. what was it that differentiated the t- candidate you chose from me? And when they'll, when they'll set it up like that, where I know they really want honest feedback, then I can say, you know what, here were the things, you know, the candidate we chose, they had done extensive research on the topic of what we're going to be hiring or I'm making yeah, it up, yeah, but, yeah. But, but whatever. yeah, but we can give them honest feedback and I, and it, Again, back to my developer strength. It makes me feel good because I know they're thinking, oh, great. Okay, that's what I'm going to do. on the I'm going to do more of this or that. So, so that's some advice when you don't that get the serious. job. Be sincere don't, and, and make sure that the recruiter, whoever gave you the bad news, feels very comfortable in sharing the feedback. And if they just say, you know what, we were, it was so close, then, then take them for their word yeah. and stay, stay after that type of a job or that type of industry.
0: Cool, Todd, we're gonna, I want you to uh, maybe come through. To you have five more minutes, ten more minutes to be with us?
8: Yeah, we're gonna I'm go not people to sleep. No, no,
0: we're <laughs> gonna go through one more break. We're gonna bring Todd back because I, I, we're gonna come back. We're gonna give you where the jobs are. We we have a a report from one of our producers about where the jobs exist out there. So stick with us. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
4: Glowing bacteria could light the way to innovative pollution sensors.
5: This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future.
4: Bacteria can do a lot more than mess up your egg salad sandwich. They can create a unique biological and chemical sensor that can monitor the environment and warn you of toxic compounds, and maybe even tell you if that sandwich you left unrefrigerated is still okay. Bioengineers at UC San Diego have modified living bacteria to emit periodic flashes of light. The flashing is random, like fireflies, but the bioluminescent bacterial colonies can be manipulated using gases to reset and unify their internal clocks. That makes them flash together at regular intervals. The colonies live on small glass chips, making groups of 50 or 60 million little glowing dots. In the experiments conducted at San Diego, these biopixel sensors will change their flash rate based on the amount of arsenic in a sample. While there are already chemical methods for this kind of testing, they typically work only once and use up their reaction ability. But the biopixel chip could measure samples over a longer time and tell you if they're getting worse or better. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino.
5: Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us.
7: For regular updates on BYU radio programming, sports, and other behind the scenes news, follow BYU Radio on Twitter. Just search for BYU Radio, hit follow, and enjoy our tweets on news, live updates on shows, and much more. Talk about good.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We are uh, talking jobs here, how to get jobs. What are the tips, the ideas that seem to work? And maybe the more important question is, Are where are all of these jobs, right? So throughout the show, we've been getting into all the difficult stuff for college grads and how hard that is. But there are a few college majors that seem to be doing just fine, and they might uh, not be doing as great as you think. <music>
6: Every child is asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? Some children are inventive, like my little brother, Eli, who at age six would always reply, Superman! Other children might be more practical, replying instead, I want to be a doctor. Yet, the fact remains that most children do not answer that question thinking about what jobs will be in demand when they grow up. In fact, I think most college students, finally on their own for the first time, don't really think about the majors that will yield the highest probability of getting hired, preferring instead to match their interests to a major. However, in our current economic downturn, should we first be looking at in-demand jobs when choosing our desired field? I spoke with Bill Brady, the director of the Marriott School of Business's Career Center at Brigham Young University, about that very idea. Where are all of the jobs?
3: Well, according to a study by the National Association of Colleges and Employers, they found that about 69% of the total responding employers were looking for engineers, 63% for business graduates, uh, 53% for accounting graduates, and 49% for computer science majors.
6: Near the bottom of the list is liberal arts, with only 13% of employers looking for their skills. So that begs the question— What makes a liberal arts major so different from an engineering major?
3: As students choose a liberal arts major, they are not committing to one or another area.
6: So employers look for people who are committed to a specialty field, something they can own, something they can do that no one else can. And the same goes for trade services.
3: Right now, there's very strong demand for people with technical skills. So plumbers, they're in demand. Electricians, they're in demand. Landscapers are in demand. So those areas have opportunity. But if they can get a mechanic who has a mechanical engineering degree, that's a plus.
6: So whether you are a senior in high school, still curious of where college will take you, or if you are a college graduate looking for a job, figure out where your specialty lies. If you are really good at pulling weeds, it looks like landscapers might scoop you up. And next time someone asks you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Maybe, whatever you want me to be is the best answer.
0: Whatever you want me to be. Well, we brought around uh, our good friend Todd Davis, the um, vice president, executive vice president, chief people officer at Franklin Covey. We wanted to give him a little bit more of the last say. So, Todd, as we're wrapping this up, parents trying to find jobs for their kids or at least keep them motivated to get jobs and just people out there struggling, what would you say? What, What do we need to remember?
8: Yeah, well, just a couple of final thoughts. And I... If I had been looking for a while, I think the last thing I'd want to say is hang in there, but, but that's what I say. You know, hang in there. Don't yeah. give up. People are getting jobs. I think the networking, and people use that term and hear it all the time, but but I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, you know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody that's in yeah. the company you work for. And I was just telling Matt on the break, uh, whenever anyone brings a resume to me or, or gives me the name of someone and says, hey, if you get a minute, would you mind talking to this person that's come through some kind of a network, that that puts that person at an advantage, this person I don't even know yeah, because always. I feel a sense of obligation to the person, you know, the employee that came to me and said, I've got this friend or I've got this neighbor or I heard about somebody. And so that's that's a way of, of getting your your name on the top of the pile. So I, I just would say that, that networking um, and, and and you can get in, you, you, you can find someone who knows someone within every company.
0: I get it all the time. In fact, interesting, I had a friend, HR uh, kind of director level type. Moved in by my house and lost his job the minute he got here. His company got bought out, and wow. they no longer needed two HR departments. He was unemployed. But as an HR guy, he just started networking. And he found a job at a company, I've actually now come to find out an incredible company with huge opportunity. Mm-hmm. And he saw that I knew somebody that was at that company. And then he just – he saw it on my LinkedIn. right. And then called me and said, so do you know this guy? Because I'm trying to apply for a job here. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, would you ever be willing to forward my resume on? I'm like, absolutely. Forward it on. This guy goes in, gets a job, has been there two or three years, and is now a, like a senior vice president for a 4,000-person company. That's awesome. And by the way, has hired dozens of people we know. Mm-hmm. And so it is it, – it, in the end, I guess it comes down to relationships, doesn't it? The relationship to yourself – Knowing yourself, knowing your talents, your skills, and relationships with others.
8: Yep. Uh, the the only I I agree with that one hundred percent. The other thing I would just say is, be realistic. And sometimes we have to swallow our pride a little bit. And if I've been looking in an industry or for a particular type of job for a long time and I'm just not getting, it, be willing to step back and yeah. say, you know what? Maybe I'll try something else try to get into the company. Else. Or to get in somewhere and and it will open up a whole new world for me that I didn't even think about. So be realistic about that. If you've been looking for a really long time in a specific area or industry and you're just not getting it, maybe maybe the universe is trying to tell you something. Yeah,
0: yeah. Maybe it's time to just go, did you hear my story about the guy that just lives out in the woods and yeah, doesn't have anyone? <laughs> I did. Um, and you probably don't ever need to go that far. There is hope. I love that. Appreciate you, Todd, for being here. Thanks, Thanks for being finding invited. me so many years ago. Yeah, well, I don't know yeah, where it got me. Found yourself. <laughs> You're a good man. That's right. why we wanted to have you. Todd Davis, Executive Vice President and Chief People Officer of Franklin Covey Company. Good man. He knows his stuff. Now, don't be discouraged. I know it's easy to just sit here and give you all these ideas, but you know what? There's hope. Vice President, Executive Vice President says there's hope. There are jobs out there. They're yours. They're even yours to have, but you just have to find creative ways to get there. Know yourself. Figure out who you are. Don't expect anyone else out there to um, be able to to connect or to, to do more for you than you yourself. It's not even going to be just luck. Sometimes it's going to be a lot of hard work, a lot of... Um, focus, a lot of knowing who you are. Remember that. Stick with us. We're here every day, Monday through Friday. We want to be there to help you and your uh, family, your loved ones take their lives to the next level. Thanks for joining us. Again, stick with us. We're here every day and go and get a job if you can. And if not, just keep listening. We'll give you more tools right here on the Matt Townsend Show, Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio.
5: KBYU FM, HD2 Provo.
6: The following is a production of BYU Broadcasting in cooperation with the Brigham Young University Division of Continuing Education.
5: 1952 is the year. A sizable crowd has gathered for an outdoor recital in Woodstock, New York. It's a charity concert featuring new compositions by a group of avant garde composers. As the audience settles into their chairs, a warm August breeze washes over them. The program begins with sounds coming from the piano that are beyond unconventional. They're downright bizarre, noisy, chaotic, random sounds, and calculated to be precisely that, because these performing artists are intent on keeping Avant before the hyphen, catching more than a few people off their guard. Then the pianist sits down to play the next last piece on the program.